Welcome to episode number 108 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about the Fike Dual Flap Isolation Valve. We're doing that with Jim Vingerhoots and Bruce McClellan from Fike Corporation. Jim is the global product manager based out of Antwerp, Belgium for Fike. And Bruce McClellan is the business development director for explosion protection. And he's based out of Blue Springs, Missouri. Jim, thank you for coming on the podcast again. And Bruce, thank you for coming on the first time today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, happy to be here again. My pleasure, Chris. Looking forward to our time together. Excellent. So we had Jim on in episode 84 of the podcast back in June of this year, 2020, talking about explosion isolation flap valves and recent test results from Fike. He talked through some challenges that they identified through their testing of the typical um, traditional flap valve systems that were being used in the market, the challenges with testing with those, some of the results they were seeing, and in the end, really identifying some key areas for safety with these systems that need to be remediated uh, moving forward. So in this episode, it's actually based on the back of some presentations I've seen from Jim and from Bruce on this DFI, dual flap isolation valve. And I reached out to them and really said, you know, this is really interesting technology. I want to cover it on the podcast to get it out there to understand how it works better. So that's really where the genesis of this episode. And it's kind of a follow-up of the episode we did back in 84. Um, so in this interview, we're going to summarize a bit of the testing results from the previous podcast episode. We're talking about what other challenges there are with the placement and use of these type of flap valves, um, how the dual flap isolation valve tackles some of these challenges, how it compares with other isolation techniques, and also go through some operational maintenance considerations, as we, we often do when we talk about different technology on the podcast. So, Jim, I think we'll start with you. I know we covered this back in episode 84, so we don't need to go in tremendous detail, but can you give us a quick summary of the results from this spike testing program uh, for the, the listeners that are listening to this episode of the, the podcast? Sure, Chris. Um, it's, it is so that uh, flap valves, as you say, they are gaining a lot of popularity since the 2010. Uh, you see them more and more, especially in, uh, in the inlet line of dust collectors. Uh, or cyclonic separators. Dust aspiration uh, is a typical uh, application. And um, we are doing research uh, since they became popular in the market. We are doing research. Uh, how do they work? How do they function in an explosion? And we identified uh, several failure modes and we have several flap files that you can buy on the market. Uh, inserted it in our uh, in our test setup in in, in Blue Springs, and uh, most of them failed and they didn't isolate the explosion. We started to think, we started to look uh, how others tested it, and we found that basically the test setup that is used by most of the certification agencies uh, differed from our test setup, and our test setup represents the real industrial scenario where the other test houses had a simplified scenario. So what are these simplifications? Only use uh, one pipeline on one side of the flap valve and forgetting to install another pipeline. The flap valve is always installed in between pipelines. Uh, not using a fan in a, uh, in a testing procedure where, of course, in a dust collector there is a fan. So keeping the flap artificially open release it when we think that the that explosion would reverse the flow against the flap 
against the fan, doing that wrongly, not testing with fan panels on the dust collector, on the test vessel, but with open ports. And these simplifications um, resulted apparently in certified flap valves and also in use, uh, where we demonstrated uh, failure if correctly inserted in, an, uh, in a real setup that represents the industry. And from there on, we developed, started developing our, our own flap valve. Yeah, I would refer the listener to that previous podcast episode, episode 84, where we, we really talked in detail about the, the testing program, about the results. The way that a, a flap valve is, is meant to work, if you think of a simplified system, is you insert the flap valve into a pipe, the explosion that is occurring uh, between the, the explosion that's occurring on the inlet side of the dust collector gets stopped by the flat valve, which closes um, and closes off that pipeline. The test results that Jim and, and Fike demonstrated through the through that research work really indicated these three areas that Jim's talking about. So that simplified testing didn't have a extended pipeline on the other side of the flat valve. The fan wasn't running during operation and the same explosion protection method on the dust collector or on the process vessel that they were doing testing with wasn't there. So these three, you know, simplifications to the testing program made it so that you weren't getting the same results that you would get if that flat valve was actually in operation. And we covered a lot of detail on that in that previous podcast episode. We also had a a white paper that was released by Fike that was our explosion isolation flat valve safe or explosion isolation valve safe and talked about um, all these test findings. So in this episode I want to talk about these new systems, these dual flap isolation valves. Um, before we do that, Jim, are there any other sort of challenges that come up with these sort of isolation approaches that you know we didn't cover in the previous podcast episode? I'm I'm thinking of things like vertical mounting, and I know there's some others, but maybe it's for the the sake of the listeners, are there other what other challenges you know might we be looking to address with a, a new isolation system? Yes, there are uh, there are other challenges. Um, so we we are working with passive. Uh, safety systems. It means they operate. Uh, they operate with the energy of the explosion. Uh, there are other techniques where the energy is stored outside and, and actuated by a control system and sensors and so on. But now we need the explosion and the explosion pressure to operate these uh, these valves. It means that the development of the explosion is crucial uh, for the for the reliable operation. We know that uh, an explosion develops, a dust explosion develops, and how it develops depends on the geometry where it is in. Is it open? Is it closed? Is it small, long? So the geometry of the of the installation determines the uh, the development of the explosion, and in this case also the reliable operation of the flap valve. So, for instance, uh, if you have bends in the pipeline, it may well be that these bends change the flow or change the flow that is induced by the explosion pressure. And it may have an impact and it, yeah, it may have an impact on how fast the flap valve closes. So that's why if you want a flap valve to work in a pipeline with bends, the prescriptions are uh, you have to test it with bends. It may well it may not work if you don't try it. So you have to try it a bend just before the flap valve changes the flow. And uh, it, it may maybe so that the flap valve is, is closes slower 
uh, and then if it closes slower, you would typically have to install it further away from dust collector to compensate the, the timing difference. So testing with bands uh, close to valves uh, on both sides is required if you want to use it like that. If you don't test it like this, uh, the, the prescriptions are you have to have a straight section of pipe for at least five pipe diameters so that you have a laminar flow uh, on the flap. And yeah, so these are peculiarities. Uh, if you want to install it in a vertical uh, pipe, of course, the, there is gravity. The gravity uh, plays a different role and typically counteracts the closure force of the explosion. So anything that uh, changes the behavior of the flap to close, the timing uh, needs to be tested. Otherwise, it cannot be uh, resolved or cannot be reliably used. Yeah, and I mean, that really comes back to what you were, what we saw in the, the testing in the previous podcast episode, where you really need to do a test that um, is representative of how it's actually used in the field. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, yes, correct. And it means a lot of testing. Eh? So when we... Our flap valve, uh, we had in the end uh, a lot of pre-tests, uh, but the, the official tests that are then for the certification were 104, 104 scenarios. Uh, okay, repeats, uh, typically have a repeat, but then still there's more than 50 scenarios that are used. Uh, okay, you have the sizes and so on, but also a lot of geometrical changes. Yeah, well, that, and I assume you guys didn't do that in a day. <laughs> I'm being a bit facetious there, but it takes a long time to set up these tests, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, a couple of months, let's say half a year. <laughs> that makes sense. I would like to, if we can, and we'll include a link in the show notes um, to where you can find out more information about this valve, because it is hard to, to on audio podcast, really get a good feel for what it looks like. But I, I guess the new valve that you've developed, um, how's it different than the traditional kind of valves and you know, how does it then address some of these challenges that we're looking at? We identified higher explosion pressures uh, with our test setup, much higher explosion pressures. That was also the reason that uh, the existing flap valves uh, showed failure. Right? They were not withstanding the explosion pressures in the correct uh, test geometry. So we had to build it stronger than, than the existing valves. Uh, stronger, typically, how, how is that achieved? Uh, it's the flap itself, the moving part that needs to be stronger. If you make it stronger, you make it typically thicker. But if it's thicker, it's slower, and then it closes slower. And if you, if you, the slower you are, um, the higher you leave the pressure to build up, and it is a vicious. You come in a um, uh, in a situation where you can't control the pressure anymore. So we said, let's have two smaller flaps instead of one big flap. You can keep that, that flap as a, a smaller area, so you can keep it thinner, still strong. Um, and especially for the larger sizes, if you go DN600, the 24-inch up and higher, uh, this is really important to have a, a fast-reacting valve, a steel strong valve. Uh, and then, so two flaps, would you then uh, hang it on a horizontal axis, which is the Typical situation of traditional flap valves. It's a little bit strange. It, it would it would not work because uh, it would the flaps would have a, a different behavior each of one uh, due to gravity. So we changed the axis orientation to vertical so that they are, it's a really symmetrical setup that each flap is as fast as it moves in the, in the same speed. 
so we have a vertical shaft, which is different, and two flaps, uh, a vertical shaft in the middle, and then two flaps, lightweight, steel, uh, strong. And this is the this is unique design. Uh, so with a lot of other advantages also. Yeah, it is. I think you did an excellent job describing what it looks like. I can picture it in my head, and I drew some diagrams here on my sheet of paper. The Traditionally, the flap would have to be the diagonal length across the pipeline that you're protecting. But with the dual flap isolation valve, like you said, there's a, a horizontal mount, or a vertical mount, rather, mounting bar. And then there's two flaps on either side. So the flaps are you know, half or even less than half because they're straight up and down the size of the old flaps. So they can be stronger without being thicker. They can react faster because they have a smaller distance to close. One interesting thing that I noticed immediately is that the profile is 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 much shorter to actually insert it. Um, you know, it looks like it may be a third the length of a, a typical flap valve of comparing of comparable size. Um, so it's interesting to see though that sort of innovation applied and then how that impacts the physics. So then it makes it stronger, then it also makes it faster. You mentioned the the challenges earlier, things like, you know, having to mount it within five diameters of the bend in a pipe or having that much distance between the dust collector and the valve. How does the new designs improve those, you know, sort of operational considerations? How does that, you know, improve the overall use of that system? This is, to be honest, uh, not attributed to the valve design. Okay, the valve design is more compact with two flaps, so you have easier space to install it. But the flexible installation um, in bends and uh, vertical, all kinds of geometries, that is mainly testing, 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 testing in all the scenarios. And of course, a rapid closure uh, it helps. It, you will have... The, rap, the more rapid the flaps close, the more easy all these tests will lead to su successes. Um, so it is the, the design, but in combination with uh, a lot of test scenarios. Okay, that makes sense. And it's, uh, that's how the testing program made it so that you can use it safely with these vertical mounts and close to bends and that sort of stuff. Correct. That makes sense. I think we haven't heard from 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 Bruce. Jim and I have been sort of discussing the the technology side. Bruce, maybe you can talk a bit about, you know, how is the the dual flap isolation valve? We sort of talk about how it's different than the other type of isolation valves, but how is it different to those? And then how is it different to other isolation techniques in general? I'm thinking like, and I'll let you summarize them, but maybe chemical suppression or slide gates or different options that you might be looking for in the field. Well, thank you, Chris. Certainly, there are a lot of differences with the new DFI uh, flat valve that we have developed and tested thoroughly. The uh, main things that are important here is that the proper solution of product is applied to the specific application that a client would be using it in. For example, a highly sticky or adhesive material, the flat valve type design products likely aren't the best solution. And in that scenario, one would still want to consider other kinds of methods, such as a uh, chemical isolation, as you mentioned, or a uh, what we call a conduit valve. It's fast-acting valve where we move a hole out of the way and replace the hole with a blind plate. So those aren't nearly as vulnerable to uh, adhesive kind of materials because they react Regardless, they're driven by other propellants rather than just the flame and pressure wave that are in the pipe itself. 
But for those installations where the DFI uh, are properly applied, it's an excellent solution. Uh, it's been tested, it's developed, certified with real-world considerations. And that's essentially what we as a company believe in is making sure we're providing a product that works the industry. So in our application basis for the DFI, having a smaller compact size, smaller geometry, uh, less restriction on a pipeline as far as horizontal links and the ability to install a vertical, that will allow it to be used in many, many different kinds of applications where a flat valve in the past couldn't have been. Yet that doesn't replace the other kinds of isolation methods. It just enhances what's available in the marketplace. Yeah, it gives another option to, you know, the toolkit um, and one that's tested in these different use cases where before it may, you know, not have been an option to mount horizontally. But I got to think there's a process vessel or a process operation out there that only has the pipe vertical <laughs> due to design considerations or however it was laid out. So we need these other options. Are there any other kind of limitations? We talked about sticky material. I guess maybe we'll talk about that one first. Why is sticky material a challenge with the the DFI valve? Well, it's a challenge for any kind of passive valve that operates mechanically on its own off of the pressure wave and flame front, uh, simply because the interior of all the different kinds of isolator flat valves, they all have some mechanical obstruction. They all have some seating where the flap valve, the flap itself has to close to block the flame path. All these areas become vulnerable to adhesive materials. Uh, it's also necessary in those cases, and actually from an NFPA standpoint, it's required to monitor for uh, dust accumulations, verifiability to perform. But it could become a nuisance to the owner uh, when these critical surfaces become blocked, clogged, or in some way basically rendered uh, questionable. So there, when that happens, you have to access the interior, you have to clean, and in most cases, clients would choose to shut down the operation to do that. So it's uh, definitely an advantage to have multiple solutions. Uh, DFI is in many ways less vulnerable uh, to those scenarios and has cases where it could be used in actually in a clean airline on an intake. A good example of that might be on the intake, air cleaner intake for a hammer mill uh, that's being fed by a day bin above and intaking air. Uh, that's usually from the plant. So if you use the DFI in that case, you're simply blocking flame that could potentially be in the dense phase line or the hopper above uh, and keeping the flame from going back into the facility. In that case, you're operating under a clean air intake scenario, which would allow a very infrequent inspection standpoint uh, because of the use and purpose of the valve. So it's, it's just very dependent on what is the applications being used in. But um, it doesn't have any, let's say, additional concerns or any other kind of mechanical uh, pressure wave flame front initiated device, maybe less than most. That makes sense. And I do want to spend a bit of time talking about operational and maintenance requirements in general for these systems. But before we, we get to that, are there any other 
so we talked about sticky materials as being, you know, one challenge. Are there any other sort of challenges for these systems or even isolation systems in general? Well, there are. The uh, speed of response is the biggest uh, challenge once you have the application down. What kind of material are you using in the installation? For example, if you're flowing a very high reacting, high KST material, there are some limitations to the use of these kinds of devices. Uh, in that that case, perhaps more limitations than with a actuated or active kind of valve, such as chemical isolation or even the mechanical conduit valve. I mentioned we call that a uh, EIB, but it's it's almost too generic of a phrase. Uh, but it's basically a sliding conduit valve. But once the speed gets to such that it's too quick for a particular kind of flat valve. Uh, then we have to look at other solutions. So KSTs, and I won't say this specifically, but generally above 300 uh, KST become suspicious as far as applying them with a um, passive type device. Uh, Other scenarios are uh, any kind of a hybrid mixture that might incorporate a component of gas or vapors along with the dust. That would be a problem to the application. It could uh, essentially need to be a different kind of isolation applied. So there are a few limitations, and uh, knowing those is really important to picking the right product for the installation. Now, people tend to prefer to the passive or flame pressure uh, responding isolating devices, very understandable. However, and you really need to make sure that that's the right answer before you just arbitrarily use that kind of solution in the pipeline. And I mean, that's a good note to just say that you really need to get someone that's experienced with these type of systems to um, come in and help you figure out which one's the best for you. Because if you install the wrong one and it doesn't operate correctly, in the worst case, you may have an explosion in your process operation that then transfers to the next vessel due to pre-pressurization, turbulent flame enhancement, um, you could have a pretty extreme explosion in that next vessel. And we covered that. I mean, we covered that multiple times in the podcast, but an example that comes to mind is episode 78. We had an interview with Dr. Suzanne Smith talking about a grain dust explosion in a milling facility. And in that case, that an explosion on the ground floor in a attrition mill. It propagated to the roof, I think six stories up to a cyclone across the entire building, back down three stories and then into the dust collector. And the explosion of dust collector, the dust collector was vented as per NFPA um, guidelines, but it, it, it was a much stronger explosion than what you get from just calculating in that process vessel by itself. And unfortunately, the explosion blew off the other side, the access door back into the building and, and blew the whole corner off the building. One worker was injured, but was able to return to work. But the destruction level in that explosion that had no fugitive dust was was quite high and that's sort of what we're we're dealing with here if you can't properly isolate these sort of explosions now if you did have fugitive dust or other you know other congestion issues other process vessels containing dust that were disrupted by this explosion it could have been even much worse um, which you know just further shows the importance of, of isolating these type of equipment from each other that's exactly right jim is there anything we missed or anything to add on comparing to other isolation technologies um, any sort of challenges or limitations with isolation systems in general anything that we we missed with the the chat with bruce there yeah i want to before another limitation but i want to highlight another capability first 
um, if, if I'm allowed. So we did a lot of investment on metal dust testing since metal dusts are, we know they are more, more difficult to, um, to protect against. Uh, especially well, I just say we get that question a lot um, no. you know it's like the first question somebody asks when we talk about isolation system can't do metal dust so I'm happy you looked at it so what did you find yeah, we, we found okay the challenges with metal dust are, are known eh? so it is a, a hot flame uh, sometimes double as hot as an organic dust flame and also very difficult to extinguish uh, do we need to extinguish something here? No, but we have to prevent that it propagates maybe to very small holes in the seal where the flap seals against its seat. So we have a, high, a very high temperature and uh, that pushes, that tries to burn the seal. And as soon as there is a small hole, uh, yeah, it would just propagate through that. So that that's the challenge with, uh, with metal dust. Especially if you have chemical isolation, you have to extinguish it. It's, you need a lot of power and then but, but mechanical isolation is in principle better for metal dusts uh, if you can make sure that the seal uh, stays intact. And uh, we have a very good seal design. Uh, there is a high surface area. It would need to burn a long hole uh, before it would penetrate that seal. So we took care of that in the design and also the tests have proven no problem. So even with aluminum dust, which is, let's say, the, the most challenging, there was a uh, no sign of all of a failure uh, and we went, we are proud of that that's another capability you ask for a limitation chris i'm sorry <laughs> well i mean it's the in, it's the inverse i think it's um it's it's good to bring up because it's a question that we get quite a bit and i guess what bruce is mentioning is there is an upper limit to you know how you might use this type of technology he mentioned maybe around 300 barometer per second i, I guess the the question would be you know what kind of dust would you be looking at that they might start to say hey we need to look in this deeper and make sure that um, the system's going to work and metal dusts are a type of those are there any other you know challenges or limitations or even benefits of this type of system that we just haven't covered yet i want to make sure we get everything out there because otherwise people will be emailing me with questions (laughs) yeah if if i may add to bruce uh, he he mentioned sticky dust Uh, that is that is true Um, but also abrasive dust uh, would be difficult because more or less of the same reason. It's not that it sticks, but it would wear the crucial safety parts like the seals uh, and, and damaged seals would then potentially lead to a flame propagation in case of an explosion. So abrasive dusts, uh, what is abrasive? Okay, then you could say I do more regular maintenance. We'll come to that later, but, but in generally not too abrasive dusts. Uh, and then if we have a very high dust loading, uh, there would be an, a lot of dropout of dust in the valve. And that dropout needs to be managed. If that cannot be managed, or it is so difficult to, you would almost do too much cleaning and you cannot, then there is dropout of dust. It would block, it would block the closure of the, of the flap valve in case of an explosion. So that is also not allowed. Uh, these are the main uh, limitations together with the KST and uh, the hybrid mixtures that Bruce already described. That makes sense. And when you say dropout, is that is is that the dust settling behind the flap, like where it would close? I was trying to figure what dropout, what you mean by that. Dropout, um, yeah, you the flow changes. So the process flow changes due, due to the inserts in the pipe, the flap inserts. So there is a, a process flow change. Often the process flow is such speed is such that it carries the dust particles uh, quite well. Uh, 
if you would enhance the flow velocity, you would have dropout. The dust particles cannot follow the flow if they fall on the on the ground or the bottom of the pipe. If you would have uh, lower flow velocity, uh, they wouldn't carry the particles either. So depending on the particle geometry, weight, and so on, there is a typical flow velocity in the flap valve that changes due to the inserts. So you would expect somewhat more dropout that sticks down to the bottom if it piles up one centimeter, two centimeter, and it comes above the level where the flap should close and there is a blockage. Of course, you can also have dust buildup on the seal, etc. Uh, that is all manageable, uh, but if it is too, if you have too much dust, uh, it, it would become unma unmanageable. Too much dust in the air, like pneumatic, conveying or that then that, that would not that would not work that makes sense i think that's a good transition into this sort of operational considerations and maintenance requirements so maybe we'll, we'll start with jim um what what should operators be thinking about when they start using this type of technology uh and for for the actual operation use of it and and the maintenance side as well yeah the application is is point one what, what are we talking about is this product conveyance then you should ring a bell. Maybe it's not the best technology. Is it, I call it dust aspiration or dust extraction where there is some nuisance dust in the factory or processes within too much dust where you have a dust extraction just to make sure that the, the upstream process works correctly. These are low dust concentrations that you extract. Uh, this is a typical application. Uh, and, and that, yeah, this is a maintainable application. If it is a product receiver that uh, that may have an integrated dust collector, yeah, this is it may work, but this becomes more more difficult. Think about what is your application, uh, because that will um, that will include how much maintenance uh, you have and how what is the operational reliability of the flap valve. That makes sense. Anything to add there, Bruce? Well, I think Jim's right on track. It's really about uh, managing nuisance dust. Yeah, it's in pneumatic transport with this particular uh, dual flat valve, and it works excellent in that case. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, wasn't exactly mentioned, uh, Jim did say that the valve seal is uh, well positioned, and it is. Uh, to try to describe that just a bit further, it's out of the direct flow of the material so that any of the abrasive materials we were discussing earlier don't exactly impinge on the seal. Uh, there's a shoulder or the flap seals that is larger in diameter than the through diameter. So it allows that uh, seal to avoid the abrasion of passing material. This assists in reducing that maintenance criteria, uh, making it easier for the owner to use and have in place without as frequent or demanding of a service interval. So I think that's very important as far as the differential on the dual flap design versus a regular uh, flap that's the seal is essentially in the flow all the time, or at least abraded by the flow uh, all the time. And that makes sense. And I guess that's a, around the, the maintenance side in terms of inspecting the seals to make sure they're not worn. So that is your, that's your critical, one of your critical components here, right? <laughs> if it, it needs to shut against the seal and stay tight to it and the seal can't wear otherwise you, you risk the the deflagration passing through the the seal 
But what other kind of maintenance should folks be looking at with these type of systems? I was thinking we already talked kind of about, you know, inspecting to make sure you don't have dust build up in your 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 duct work. I'll, I will go ahead and say that's not really a challenge necessarily with this system. But if you have a, a bunch of dust cell in your duct work in general, <laughs> then, you know, your, your operational parameters aren't set up correctly to, to have a safe um, line. So this system is is going to be put kind of on on top of that. Um, I think that's different than what Jim was talking about with the dust just settling out near the actual flap itself. But any any comments on that, on what other type of maintenance operations you might normally be doing with these systems in terms of inspection and, and um, yeah, and maintenance procedures? Well, we do have some integrated features that allow the simplification of inspection. Now, if one were to look at the criteria of inspection and defer essentially to the NFPA 69 standard, which does stipulate inspection and frequencies of inspection. It also stipulates for this kind of product what you need to monitor and how it needs to function to to a certain degree. It stipulates those things. So with our system, the dual flap isolator, we offer the ability to sense dust in the bottom of the device. Uh, So you do have that. as far as a means to monitor in between any kind of maintenance interval, it might be selected for your specific installation. Uh, from a operational standpoint uh, and maintenance and care, there is a simple access port on the side that can be used for a visual inspection. You can visually inspect the flap, you can visually inspect the seal, and you visually inspect for accumulation of materials. So it's a pretty simple process, but it does need to be be done. Uh, to think these devices are, uh, let's just say, not requiring of any kind of maintenance, uh, kind of becomes a perception after they've been installed for a while by many users. However, that's really not the case. All explosion protection mitigation systems need to be cared for to make sure they're fully functional. Interior of industrial processes is a very harsh environment. And without the care uh, and maintenance, inspection, validation of their ability to perform, you essentially don't know. And that's not a good place to be when you're operating a process with a combustible dust. Better to know, better to be sure. And that should be considered as part of the selection of the isolating kind of device. Yeah, we had a a safety share with Corey Gardner back in episode 105 of the podcast where he talked about testing of, of high-speed abort gates in their um, wood processing facility. And they found they normally had done the testing without, um, so they do the, the the testing, make sure the gate will close. They normally do that with the fans on, but for some reason they had been doing it off for a while. Um, when they turned the fans back on into the testing, they found the abort gates didn't, didn't function properly. Um, in two... I have to go back and listen to the podcast. I can't remember if it was two parts of the same facility or two different facilities that with his company, but they they found they didn't close and then they had to go out and put a, a new inspection protocol in place, roll that out across all the abort gates at their facilities, figure out why those ones weren't closing. But it, it is important that these operate correctly because if they don't, then when they're needed and called in action, they, they may not be able to isolate the explosion. Anything else to add there, Jim, on uh, maintenance and operability of these type of systems? Yes, Chris, uh, I'm glad that you, you still ask that question. We have also developed there a um, 
an air purge cleaning installation uh, facilities. So we can connect a uh, an air per an, an pressurized air shop air to our valve, uh, and the air will um, will be inserted in the interiors of the valve. Uh, the perimeter of the seal will be constantly cleaned or uh, with pulse cleaning. So it is an electrical valve that is attached. You can have pulse cleaning in order to spare some shop air. Uh, you can program the frequency uh, of that cleaning so that in principle, even if you have dust, it is constantly cleaned uh, and you, you have a dust-free operation. And we have not seen too many valves that have these, but we believe it is a, a crucial uh, upgrade to have a reliable operation at all time, even if you forget an inspection or if there is more dust buildup than you think and your inspection interval is not correct. So air purge cleaning is a, is a, is a very is a nice upgrade for a reliable operation. Uh, this is nicely designed and it keeps the complete perimeter of the, of the valve clean. And that together with the dust sensor at the bottom, yeah, we have also a steering cabinet as, a, as an option where the, the dust layer sensor and the electro valve can be electrically steered. So you can see how oft the dust layer sensor signals. You can change the frequency of the air purge cleaning so that you have an optimum in air consumption and keeping the valve clean. Uh, these are options. If you don't need them, yeah, you don't need to install them. But often the valve is then installed, and then afterwards when it's installed, yeah, you see the problem. So there is always that upgrade option uh, that we have uh, foreseen. We, we care about not only testing, make sure that <laughs> in certification phase it works, uh, but also when it's installed in the field, it keeps on working over its lifetime in a reliable uh, matter. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I do want to kind of mention a note that I talked about quite a bit in the previous podcast episode in episode 84 where we did the the interview on the testing program it really is companies like like fike and there's others out there that are that are going above and beyond you know just creating products but really diving into understanding the, the physics of what's going on the dynamics of these type of systems when they fail when they you know when they work correctly and it, it's really programs like this that are pushing our you know the industry handling combustible dust and combustible dust safety forward then also coming out with these type of innovations, these type of systems that can improve that and, and fix those gaps that are identified. So I do want to say a thank you to to Fike for doing this program, for coming up with this new type of technology, uh, for coming on the podcast and, and talking about it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest from the listeners. If they somebody wants to learn more about the dual flap isolation valve or the systems, um, we'll, we'll get a link to, to some somewhere to send them, but do you have a suggestion where they might go to, to learn more about the, the system today? Well, we have a very informative website, uh, spike.com. So www.fike.com provides a lot of in-depth information about who we are as a company, which I think is important about our research and testing center and the various kinds of products that we offer as well. Uh, what you also need to consider is, is the engineering aspect of applying products, not just the product itself, but how do you engineer the solution and how do you confirm that it works uh, in real-world condition. And you can find a lot about that on our website. Yes, and we'll include that in the show notes. We'll also include the um, just a link to where, where you can find specifically the dual flap isolation valve. And 
I would second the the comment. I've been down to Kansas City to see the fight testing lab there. The the facilities are top notch, but the team's also top notch. Hats off to to Tom and, and the other folks that are down there that are doing this type of testing, and then even internationally with the groups that uh, that Jim is working with as well. It, it takes a lot of experience. It takes a lot of time, a lot of man hours. Uh, I think Jim said the the certified test program was 50 scenarios and over 100 tests, but there there was other testing that led to to getting to that point as well. <laughs> um, it's uh, and we talked about that in the previous episode where it really is quite a long program to figure this stuff out. Um, so we appreciate that. Any, I guess we gave Bruce the the last um, comment on where people can go, but I'll just, I'll start with Jim and then we'll finish up with Bruce. Anything else you want to close off on before we we call it uh, quits for the interview today? To, yeah, I think we covered uh, the most important things on this uh, new explosion isolation device. No, I'm, I'm very happy that we, we had the opportunity to talk with you, Chris. Thank you for that. Excellent. Thank you. And anything on, on your end, Bruce, that we, we missed that uh, should we brought up? Well, I didn't really miss anything, Chris, but I, I too appreciate the chance to come on your podcast and, and discuss this. But one of the things I, I want folks to understand is there are a lot of people offering these kinds of solutions by these kinds. I'm referring to flat valves in industry. What you want to make sure of is that the product you choose is competently placed. In other words, make sure that if you're counting on it for life safety, that it's been tested in a real world application like you're using it and someone has validated that it works with all those things in place, including. Uh, piping on both sides of the valve, uh, things like uh, not using fishing line to hold open, but use real pressure waves to actuate the valve. The nuances down at the minute level of testing are what makes the difference between stopping deflagrations and missing deflagrations. So just be cautious about what you're selecting. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's a great place to close off this interview. As I mentioned, you can get the show notes from this uh, podcast interview at dustsafetyscience.com slash 108. We'll also have links to the FIKE website to where you can connect with um, Jim and Bruce to find out more. And as always, we'll pull up the transcripts of this podcast episode that you can grab at that link as well at dustsafetyscience.com slash 108. So Bruce and Jim, I want to say thank you again for coming on. Um, I'm looking forward to to learning more about the technology as it continues to develop, learning more about the things that uh, FIKE is doing you know, the, the novel applications and, and innovations that Fike is doing in these industries. Um, and I look forward to a chance to get you back on the podcast again in the future. Thank you, Chris. Thanks a lot, Chris. See you soon. Okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Jim Vingerhoots, and also Bruce McClellan. Jim is Global Product Manager from Fike Corporation. He's based out of Antwerp, Belgium. And Bruce is Business Development Director for Explosion Protection. He's based at Blue Springs, Missouri. We we're talking about the, the Fike Dual Flap Isolation Valve, the DFI valve, that uh, the FIKE has recently released into the marketplace. So this is sort of a follow-on discussion from episode 84 of the podcast, where we talked about an assessment of our isolation flap valve safe. We talked about recent test results from FIKE of a pretty extensive program they did on testing these and use of these type of equipment. So this episode specifically, we talked about some of those challenges, we talked about making sure that the testing protocol matches what you see in actual application, we also added some additional challenges for operational. So, you know, having the isolation valve close to equipment, having it close to elbow bends, making sure it's actually implemented in the same way that's used 
that's actually tested in the same way that's being used in industry are all really you know key drivers of of making these innovations. And Bruce made a really good, or actually Jim made a really Bruce made a lot of good points too, as well. But Jim made a really good point when I said that you know I was, I was talking about the technology and there are innovations here like using the central vertical bar and having the flaps being shorter, which makes them stronger and faster. But he he kind of corrected me. I said you know that's what makes this. I didn't actually say specifically, but I, you know, was indicating that's what really makes the the technology useful, and it does. We also highlighted that it's actually the testing program on the back of that that really illustrates the safe use of these systems under these different and challenging conditions. So I really want to get that out there. It's both the new technology, but also the testing program, and combine them together that that helps us to understand when and how these systems can be used um, safely to to isolate explosions. Uh, we talked about what the technology looks like. We talked about some challenges in isolation technology in general, things like sticky materials, high deflagration rate materials, and things that are, have very high explosion pressures and, and rapidly explode. We talked about abrasive materials. This all really leads down to challenges on making sure that the system can respond quickly enough to the explosion and that it responds fully and that the, the flap actually closes and seals against the seal to isolate the explosion. Uh, we talked about operational considerations. Are you running it in a conveyance line? Are you running it in a you know a nuisance dust collection system? Or are you running it in a product receiver hopper? These are all going to factor into if you're choosing this as the, the method to use for your, your isolation system. It also factors into maintenance as well. So inspection programs, you know, inspecting the seals, inspecting that you have dust not building up on top of the device or the device stopping the device from functioning. And Jim highlighted a, a bunch of technologies in, integrated in the system, things like sensors in the seals, things like air purging, cleaning that's directly integrated into the system, um, and other technology that can be used there. So I found this really interesting. It's sort of a, a you know a crash course of the the newest type of technologies used for these type of systems. Hope you found it interesting as well. So as I mentioned at the outset, you can get the transcripts of this podcast episode at dustsafetyscience.com slash one zero eight. And we'll also have links to the show notes there and all the information on the dual flap isolation valve um, to help you get started there. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a, a productive and safe week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling compostable dust around the world and making them safer every day. 